Thanks, Ruth. Good morning, Fano. I don't get the sweet music behind me, eh? I don't, I don't need it. Yeah, no, no, you're good. Thanks, Steve. Yeah. It's just favoritism there, but that's okay. <laughs> hey, um, first of all, it's an honor to, to be up here and be able to share like this, and, and I've had the honor of being able to share here a few times, and I want to honor our pastors in the house, Pastor Ruth and Steve, for allowing people to step out in their giftings and allow, uh, pass a... <laughs> Paul and, uh, and Ruth. Sorry, I had Steve on the brain. <laughs> Could be prophetic there. There's a fine line between prophetic. Anyway, uh, so I just want to honor those whose names I can remember, Pastor Paul and Pastor Ruth, for actually, um, for actually opening this platform up and allowing God to move through different people in the house and um, seeing other people grow in their giftings. Um, it's, it's cool to be a part of a family that does this. Um, I also want to honor another pastor in the house, Pastor Eric Mainers, as well, for being in the house here with us. This is Steve's dad. I just want to give you a round of applause. Welcome to the house. From what I've seen, uh, being working with and being around pastors and leaders and churches, it's not an easy role. It's not something that you would uh, come out of high school and go, oh, I, w- I want to be a pastor. That's a good career choice. Um, it's definitely something you're called to, and there are definite challenges that come along with it, and uh, there's a mantle that comes with it. And um, yeah, I just want, I, I want God to bless you guys, um, all the pastors in the house here, and all leaders as well. And this morning, we're speaking on outward focus, which is a part of our DNA here at Excite. Um, our DNA, as uh, Pastor Ruth shared before, is uh, an acronym, uh, OIL, O-I-L, which is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And the first part of the acronym for our DNA here at Excite is Outward Focus. So we're doing a series on Outward outward Focus this month. The next part, I, is Identity. And the last part is Legacy. All very, very important parts of Christian faith and Christian walk. And I'm honored to be able to open up Outward Focus this morning. So if you don't mind, I would like to start with prayer. Because anybody that's up here sharing the Word of God needs prayer. Amen. So thank you, Father. Lord, I just thank you that you've given uh, me this, this opportunity for you to work through me this morning, Father. Lord, I pray that the seed that is cast out tonight falls on good soil, that it takes root, and that you water it and you care for it over time, Father, and you bring it to fruition. Father, we thank you that we are connected to the vine and we'll produce good fruit for you and your kingdom, Father. Lord, I just pray that, that this word lights up dark places for someone this morning. I pray that this word is the hammer that breaks chains for someone this morning. I pray that this is the, this is the word that shakes the, shakes the foundations, shakes the very foundations of a stronghold over someone's life this morning, Father. Lord, I pray for open ears and open eyes and open hearts. In Jesus' name, amen. So outward focus is all about not focusing on oneself, really. And it's, it's, it's all about where we're casting our vision, where we, are, um, where we are looking out to, what we are focusing on. Um, but for me, I want to talk about the foundation 
of outward focus, what God's really put on my heart and has been testing me in these past few weeks is where is your foundation and where are you looking out from? Because if we're just going to run out and start outreaching and we're going to run out and start trying to bless others, we need to be wary of the well we're drawing from. Because if we're drawing from the well of self, that's only a very limited well. And guess what? When it runs out, you're all dried up. But praise God, we serve a Lord who is the living water that never ends. Amen? So that if we can grasp just where our focus... I'll just stand still. Here you go, Roxy. Roxy always complains because she tries to take photos of me and I walk around too much. Okay, so... Roxy does our social media as well, so this is why she's taking photos of me. But we pray, we, we serve a God that is the living water, and he, and he doesn't run dry. He's the well that doesn't run dry. So if we can place our foundation on Him, when we outreach, we're not giving from self. So we're not running out of steam. Amen? And also, if we can see from the perspective that he sees from, then maybe when the storms come and maybe when things don't go according to the plan that we put in place for our lives, we won't be shaken. Amen? So this morning, I was going to entitle my message, The Lens, What Lens Are You Looking Through? But I feel like it's almost, what house are you looking out from? Or what foundation are you, are you looking out from? And I want to share some scripture with you from 2 Kings 5. Now this is, um, this is about a, a man who has got it all sorted. A man who uh, has the plan. He's a commander in an army. And he does very, very well. And the Lord does very well through him. So he's confident. He's got it all figured out. And... And he's, I think he writes plans in his head. But as we find out later on, when the plan doesn't go the way that he thought it would go, he quickly loses the plot. Sounds like me. <laughs> Sounds like me. I can relate to this guy. So, 2 Kings 5, verse 1. Now, Naaman, and I kind of like to call him Naaman, because he's a bit like that in this story. Now, now Naaman was commander of the army of the king of Aram. He was a great man in the sight of his master and highly regarded because through him, this is important, because through him the Lord had given victory to Aram. If we could just grasp that little part there, this would help us so much with serving others and looking out and outreach and where our energy comes from. Because it doesn't say here that the Lord gave him the power to get victory. And I think sometimes we can, we can seek that in our prayer life. Lord, I have this obstacle. Lord, I have this plan. Give me the ability to bring this plan to fruition. Give me the, Lord, give me the promotion that I've been working so hard for. Lord, give me the power to, to bring this plan to a head. 
But here it says, because through him, the Lord had given victory to Aram. See, the Lord's, it's the Lord's plan, and he's just a conduit. Amen? He was a valiant soldier, but, and there's always a but, he had leprosy. I think this is another important point. Just in the first, just in the first verse of this chapter, there's two very, very important points here. One is that the Lord, he works through us. And two, is that there's always a but. No matter how great a person is, there is something that they're struggling with. No matter how great a person is, there's a flaw. Now, does the flaw discount the person from the greatness? No. And does the greatness discount the person from having a flaw at all? No. And I think often, this is why I honor pastors, I think often someone can look to a pastor and say, well, they're doing so great, there must be nothing wrong with them. And when there is something wrong with them, suddenly the person's faith is shaken. Well, where was their faith in the first place? Was it in the man or was it in the Lord? Because I tell you now, like no matter who, no matter how great the preacher, no matter how great the leader, if your faith is in them, there will come a time it will be shaken. And this is important. This is about the perspective. What lens are we looking through? Except for pastors Paul and Ruth. They're awesome. There's a, I've, been, I've been searching. I couldn't find them. <laughs> See, you are called. This is what the Lord said to me when I was reading this verse. You are called according to his purpose. Amen? He is not called according to your purpose. And he will not be called according to your purpose. Jeremiah 29, 11 says, For I have the plans for you. Amen? Not email me your script and I will come down and play my part. How many of us have had our faith shaken on an expectation that wasn't met by God? Sorry if this is a bit heavy. <laughs> well, let's move on to the next verse. Now, bands, bands of raiders from Aram had gone out and taken captive a young girl from Israel. Aram and Israel are at war. They don't get on well at this point. And she served Naaman's wife. She said to her mistress, If only my master would see the prophet who is in Samaria he would cure him of his leprosy. How many of us are looking for our blessing in the wrong place? And when it comes from somewhere we weren't expecting it, we just want to walk the other way. I know Pastor Ruth touched on this at a sermon a few weeks ago, that sometimes the blessing comes from a place that we're not expecting, and so we don't accept it. You see, this was his, this was his slave that, that had been taken captive and is from an enemy nation, and she is telling him, I know a place where you can be healed. Now, if he were too prideful and stubborn, he would go, no, no, that's not where my blessing's coming from, and he would miss out altogether. But praise God, Naaman then went to the king. So Naaman went to his master and told him what the girl from Israel had said. By all means go, said the king of Aram. I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So Naaman left, taking with him ten talents of silver... 6,000 shekels of gold and 10 sets of clothing. The letter that he took 
to the king of Israel read, With this letter I am sending my servant, Naaman, to you, so you may cure him of his leprosy. Naaman. There's something wrong with these passages in this verse. There's two things wrong here. First of all, Naaman loaded up with a whole lot of gold and silver and clothing because he was already formulating his script. He was already thinking, okay, this is how it's going to work. I'm going to rock up. I'm going to give this guy a whole lot of money and clothes, and he's going to heal me. That's part one that's going wrong here with his perspective. He's starting to take control of a situation, even though it was a blessing that was freely given him. And I, I relate to this as well, because I've done this in my life. God will bless me with a, with a place, and he will bless me with a job, and immediately I will start micromanaging all the blessings that he's given me trying to make it better quicker when God's timing is perfect and my trust in Him should be complete. And what I've found is that when we do this, we are often just kicking the can further down the road. The more that we try and fight God with our own planning and our own resources and try and apply the world's logic to His kingdom, the further down the road we can kick our blessing. The second part of this that I found interesting is that even though the slave girl had said, there is a prophet in Israel who can heal my master, the letter is addressed to the king of Israel, and the wording is, so that you may cure him of his leprosy. Already the king of Ammon of Aram, apologies, of Aram, is recognizing the incorrect authority here. The authority is God. But he is so wound up in the authority of the world that he goes, no, this is the logical way. I go to the most powerful person in that nation, and he has the authority. Well, I'm telling you now that it's not your boss that has authority over your wealth, it is not your, your situation or the world that has authority over how your life is going to be handled. It is not you or your doctors that have authority over your health. It is not you that actually have authority over how your life's going to go or the script in your life. God is sovereign over all, over all. He has authority over all. And rather than fight that, we can rest in that because we know that his plans are better. As soon as the king of Israel read the letter, he thought, oh no. He tore his robes and he said, am I God? Can I kill and bring back to life? Why does this fellow send someone to me to be cured of his leprosy? See how he was trying to pick a quarrel with me. See, now someone has tried to apply the world logic to a God situation, and they're about to make matters worse. They're about to start a scrap between two nations here because they didn't recognize the correct authority, you know? 
Like if we're, if we're pushing something in our lives, we're just going to make it worse. We're just going to make it worse. And we, we don't even see it. That's why we need to recognize His authority and stand in His perspective. Amen? Yeah. When we try and enforce our own logic on a God directive, we're often making the problem worse. When Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his robes, he sent him this message. Now, this is a man that walks with the authority of God and understands how the kingdom works. Why have you torn your robes? Have the man come to me, and he will know that there is a prophet in Israel. So Naaman went with his horses and his chariots and his gold and his clothes, and he stopped at the door of Elisha's house. So there's been a little hiccup in Naaman's script, a little hiccup in his plan, but he's coping with it so far. He's not as bad as I am. I would have been like, oh, the script's deviating. I need to fix this. <laughs> but no, he's going, okay, so it's not the king. No, that's right. My slave girl did say the prophet. That's fine. I can cope with that. So he gets all his wealth and all his chariots and all his clothes, and he rocks up at this. And I can just see it. He rocks up at the prophet's house, and he goes, okay. And he's doing that affirmation. You are great. You are powerful. You are amazing. This guy's going to see your authority, and he's just going to beg to bless you and heal you. And he's standing there at the door of the prophet, and he's going, this is how it's going to happen. That prophet's going to walk out, and he's going to be astounded by how amazing I am. He's going to call down the Lord's blessing, place his hand on me, heal me of my leprosy, and then he's going to be humbled by the many gifts that I've brought to him, and I'm going to walk away a healed man and held my head high. And this is the, this is the plan I can see. That's not in the Scripture. That's just that's the Reuben version. It's, that's what I see going through his head as he's standing at the door of Elisha. And imagine his shock and surprise and dismay when the door opens, and it's not Elisha, it's just Elisha's servant. Elisha hasn't even bothered to come out and greet him himself. He hasn't done him the honor of his station of meeting him himself. So Elisha's servant walks out of the door, and there's nah man going, nah man. Where's Elisha? Are you here to see someone else? I'm waiting for Elisha. So he's, wait, he's waiting there. <laughs> he's waiting there, all pumped up. And Elisha sent a messenger to say to him. So this messenger walks out and he goes, just go wash yourself seven times in the Jordan and your flesh will be restored and you'll be cleansed. But Naaman's, what, is that it? Did I travel all this way and bring all this stuff just to be told to have a bath? In that river? In that river? But Naaman went away angry This is, this is so, <laughs> he's so annoyed that it didn't go the way that he thought it was going to go. It's like, it's like, okay, it's my first time to this church. I'm going to walk into this church and I'm going to walk in and they're going to immediately see how gifted I am. And they walk in, and, uh, and, and the worship director is running around stressed, and he's, he's doing all his things, and then the pastor's busy talking to someone else, and then uh, whoever was on the info desk, they, they didn't turn up that week. Um, and so they walk in, and they go, 
but I'm here. <laughs> this church is not anointed. It hasn't gone according to the script. But I'm here. Don't you know who I am? This is, this is the way I saw it going down. I saw that I was going to walk into this church. Someone was going to rush up and go, you're finally here. We've been praying for you. Welcome, welcome, welcome. Come, please serve. We'll put you on staff. Come on. No matter what, I can see you're gifted by the look in your eyes. I can see the Spirit of God upon you. I can see it. And sometimes that can throw us right off, you know. We walk in and we go, I remember actually, I, I, I'm not saying that I had the same, the, same, uh, <laughs> the same experience at this church. I was very, very welcomed. But um, praise God, there is a wise pastor over this church. And uh, my wife and I came to Excite Church from Sydney, and we'd been serving in the worship ministry for many years in Sydney. And um, my wife had been many years there. I'd been serving for a year or two. And, uh, and we walk in here and we say to each other, we're just not going to serve for a while. We're just going to see what the spirit of the church is and see where we can fit in. Um, but me being me, you know, I'm confident. And so I approached Pastor Paul within a few weeks and uh, struck up conversation. And when you're, when you're a confident person and skilled in speechcraft, you can, uh, you can easily, and, and you're talking to a humble person who likes to talk, who is other-centered, it's very easy to get the conversation around on yourself, you know, so I, was, I quickly did this, and I don't know if you remember this, Pastor Paul, but um, I came in and I started talking to Pastor Paul, and I said, oh, you know, um, my wife and I served in these ministries, and, um, you know, I, I used to be uh, part of this band, and um, actually, um, I'm quite good at music, um, and we're looking for somewhere to serve, and, you know, I'm dropping all the hints, you know, <laughs> and uh, I was looking from the wrong perspective, but praise God, we have a wise pastor over this church, and you know what he said to me? He said to me, that's brilliant, but a man's gift makes room for itself. <laughs> nah, man! <laughs> But how do you know? Unless I tell you, the Spirit of God knows. And we have a pastor that listens to God. And we have a pastor that's connected to the Holy Spirit. And we have leaders who serve here who understand the Spirit and understand the flow and the order of the kingdom of God. Amen? And so when something doesn't go according to my plan, praise God, I stayed in the church. <laughs> and, uh, and I tell you what. This is, this is where Naaman went wrong. The other good thing about Naaman is that he surrounded himself by good people. I surrounded myself by one good person, my wife. I'm, I've been told I'm not allowed to make wife jokes this week. There were too many last week, so. <laughs> so so uh, my wife... You know, she's she's always been able to talk me down, and there was a, there was another instance as well where I stepped outside the realm of of my authority when I was very young in the Lord, and uh, same instance again, just so proud of of who I was and what I could do and what my skills were, and just trying to put them forward and trying to tell our worship leader at the time in Sydney because I had so much more experience than him. I was I was trying to tell him when he made a decision about me. He asked me. He said, "You you're going to sing this week." And I said, that's a dumb idea. I'm not a singer. I'm a sax player. 
that is not in my script, that is not according to my plan. <laughs> and uh, and I, I told him that. And I walked away from that meeting thinking, yeah, yeah, I told him. <laughs> and we're driving in the car and my wife does the hand on the leg. And I know I'm, I'm about to get told something. <laughs> and she says, honey, you're under his authority. And what you did there was wrong. If he asks you to sing, you need to sing. So I sang, and I sang Ron Canoli, Give and it will come back to you. You know that song? <laughs> but it was a lesson for me, and, and, you know, God elevates the humble. And when you're too prideful, you're just going to get kicked back all the time. And there's an expectation that I had for the way that things were going. When I, when I came to the Lord, I was thinking, man, I, I, I wasn't expecting to come to the Lord that day to start off with. But I always thought that if I ever came to the Lord, I wasn't going to be one of these guys that would be crying and knees buckling and sobbing. And I thought, man, when I come to the Lord, if I come to the Lord, I'm going to be the guy that goes, I have made my decision I have written it in my plan. I have said it, and so it shall be. Give me Jesus. <laughs> the reality was very different. I was that guy crying and sobbing and knees shaking up to the altar, and my brother-in-law who was preaching at the time, he, bro, are you going to give your life? Yeah, yeah. And I can hear my father-in-law, yahoo, in the background. <laughs> And I accept you into my life. Help me. Wasn't part of my script. That's not what I wrote, God. But praise God, he doesn't follow our script. He has a script of his own. And he had a calling for me since before, he, before I knew my name, before anyone knew my name, before the world was created. He knew my name. He had a plan for me. He had a purpose for me. He's got a script for me. And if I've got the wherewithal to listen to him, I can live a life worth living. Amen. And if you've got the wherewithal to listen to the Spirit, and if you've got the wherewithal to listen to His plan for you, you will live a life worth living. Amen. And you will experience breakthrough in the way that He plans it, not the way that you've written it. And he, you will experience your strongholds breaking, not in the way that you think that they should break, but the way that He has planned for them to break so they can never be built again. And He's got a way to turn your life around and Get your mess and turn it into a message for somebody else so that you're empowered to then take God's power and through you, you will get great victory, just like Naaman. Through you, God will get great victory. Through you, through you. Stop writing God's plan in your life. Amen? Amen? Sorry, I'm going off track. But Naaman went away angry and said, I thought that he would surely come out to me and he would stand, and he would call on the name of the Lord his God, wave his hand over the spot, and cure me of all my leprosy. He had it all figured out. Right down to a T, wave his hand over the spot, cure me of my leprosy. Are not Abana and, and Farpa, the rivers of Damascus, better than all the waters of Israel? Isn't that church I came from better than this church? Isn't that place that I, you know, couldn't I have done this at home? Couldn't I have gone and served at that other place? Couldn't, couldn't I have written a better plan than God? 
Wouldn't that have worked out better? I can tell you that it wouldn't have. I can tell you that you can't see past your own nose. And I can tell you that because I'm the same. Had to get glasses. I'm no, you know, and the cheap ones that make your eyes look big. I can't see past my own nose. I can't write the plan for my life. And the times that I've tried, I have just kicked that can further down the road. Don't kick the can further down the road. So he turned and he went off in a rage. But like I said, Naaman was surrounded by good friends, good servants in this case. Naaman's servants went to him and said, My father, if the prophet had told you to do some great thing, would you not have done it? If you had walked into the church with your gift held high, and the pastor had come and said to you, I recognize you have a gift. Tell you what, if you can sing the most powerful ballad for me right now, I'll put you on the worship team next week. Would you have done it? Yeah, you would have. It's part of your script because it exalts you, glorifies you. But what's easier than sitting and doing nothing and waiting for God's timing? What's easier than walking down to the local river and washing yourself seven times. Sometimes we're just trying to overcomplicate it. Like we're trying to put a price tag on it that's worth the gift that we're going to receive. Jesus didn't put a price tag on the gift. He came and paid the price and freely gave us the life that we can live. And if we keep trying to put a price tag on things, we keep trying to write our own script we're just going to kick the can further down the road. Maybe that should be the title of the message. Don't kick the can. Don't kick the can. Paul likes that one. That's good. How much more then when he tells you, wash and be cleansed? So now nah man became a yes man. And he went down and he dipped himself in the Jordan, not once, not twice but seven times as the man of God had told him. And the flesh was restored and became clean like that of a young boy. That's right. It's good to have friends around you to speak sense into your life. But why seven times? Why couldn't he just wash it all off in one dip? I think there's some people here that have dipped three times and seen nothing, and have given up. Maybe there's some people here that have dipped six times, and you only needed to dip one more time, and you would get your breakthrough. Maybe you've written a script in your head, and you thought, if I did this, and I did that, and I did it this way, and I did it that way, that I would get the blessing, that I would get the healing, that I would get the breakthrough. And it's not meeting your script. Well, I'm telling you, just dip one more time the way that God asks you to. If your head is just filled with your own script, think back to the last script that God gave you. Start from there. Someone here has dipped six times. And they need to dip a seventh time.
And it might, you might feel like whatever it is that God is asking you to do is beneath you. Like the, like the scene is not right. Like this doesn't fit the script that I've set. Now nah, the worship was meant to be different the morning that I gave my life to God. No, 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 I was meant to see angels. No, 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 I, was, I, I heard, I read in a book one time that someone had this experience. I haven't had that experience yet, so it's not time. God deals with all of us in different ways. And if he's knocking on the door of your heart, you better answer. Because not answering is kicking the can further down the road. So I want to give you that opportunity right now in this place. That if you are where I was, and that my plan wasn't coming to fruition in my life the way that I had written it, I want you to take a moment and just tell God, I want your plan. And if you're not seeing things healing the way they should, and you're not seeing relationships building the way they should, and you're not seeing strongholds being broken the way that you think they should be broken, praise God for the plan He has for you. Praise God that, he was co- that you were called according to His purpose and that He is not called according to your purpose. And if you have never received Jesus and accepted Him into your life as your Lord and your Savior, it doesn't matter what the worship was like this morning. It doesn't matter whether it's angels floating around you right now and it doesn't matter what the situation is in the world right now or what the other voices are saying in your head, but God calls people in times like this, and you'll feel it. You'll feel Him knocking on your heart. And I encourage you, what's simpler than saying a simple prayer? What's simpler than washing seven times in the Jordan? Don't be an R man. Don't walk away from the blessing right now when the opportunity is presented to you.